This week's episode is brought to you by questions and answers and messengers and the messages they bring. Shit happens, right? Sackick fakes it, takes it, scores! Joe Sackick! Wow! Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're watching the Burgundy Radio Podcast for October 30th, 2017. Coming up on the show, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Players were called to the NHL, players were reassigned to the AHL, and Matt Nieto got a hat trick. But before we play the whoosh, say hello to your disembodied voices for the week. Back again, as always, I'm joined by Earl. Hello, Earl. Hello. How you doing, folks? First timer joins us again this week, and it's Ace O'Dale. How's it going, Ace? Going well. It's an honor to be here. And returning again is Rudo. What's up, Rudo? Yo, yo. On Tuesday, Avs win 5-3 over the Dallas Stars. Matt Nieto had his hat trick in this one. All the way from Long Beach, don't you know? Blake Como contributed three assists and two point nights for Gabe Landeskog and Carl Soderberg, too. Simeon Varlamov stopped 31-34, of and his enemy Ben Bishop got chased. Ha! Then on Friday, the Avs were confused by the start time and lost to Laffer 7-0 to the Vegas Knot Aces. They were outplaying their opponents pretty dramatically for most of it, though, and couldn't find the back of the net. A couple of big individual errors end up in the back of their own net, and then after a failed offside challenge, which we will not spend 20 minutes on again today, everything collapsed like an undercooked angel food cake. Then on Friday, after Gabe Landeskog said shit happens and that this team is not the same as last year's and would respond, they responded. Avs win 6-3 over the Chicago Blackhawks, sent home several thousand transplants, sad from the Pepsi Center in the process. A three-point night for Nathan McKinnon, a goal and an assist for Rocco Grimaldi, who was called up for the game, and a three-point night for Miko Rantanen. And really, this game was 5-0 at one point, and everything after that can easily be dismissed as garbage time. What a statement win from the Avalanche. It was beautiful. I mean, it, it was exactly what you wanted to see after the, the trials and tribulations of last year. Um... You know, the, the, the captain gets the guys together, says it's not going to be like last year, and they go out and prove it. Yeah, this fan base, I think, really on edge after last year because no one has any faith in this team at all, really, even when they look good. But when you put up a performance like that, I think everyone kind of realizes once again that this team isn't just a complete collapse this year. No, and it was very... Uh... Good to see, again, Landeskog and McKinnon as well, kind of taking the reins and deciding that, uh, hey, we got to do something about this. We're not going to let that happen again, um, especially after Vegas, when uh, Landeskog said, yeah, we're, we're not going to do that. That's, that's in the past. Uh, that's not who we are this time. Because in the past, you've had players make statements like that. It's, you know, it's embarrassing. It's not who we are. We're not going to let that happen again. And then the next game... <laughs> saying the same things so it's just it was really good to see that that response that change and um one of the players that drove that the most was nathan mckinnon um i full disclosure i I missed a whole bunch of time from the games this week um i got disgusted with the vegas game and went to do something else and then for the beginning of the chicago game i had to go make a rescue run so um who wants to kind of take over the Nathan McKinnon story from this week? Well, the story is kind of weird because McKinnon himself did an interview after the game and he talked about how he was coming along and he thought that the last couple of games he had really played well and was close to breaking out. 
which I don't really agree with. I thought the last couple were some of his worst games. But in this one, obviously, he just shined out of the room. This type of game against Chicago, where both teams would just open it up and full gas pedal, that's where he should shine. He just goes full speed and goes right to the net and gets things done. Well, and he yeah. was—he uh, did well defensively, too. I mean, uh, uh, that first goal was partially responsible for his uh, aggressive forechecking. Um, taking out, uh, I don't remember who it was, a Chicago player anyway, and um, passing the puck up from behind the net up to uh, Rantanen. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of the tentativeness that we've, you know, wh whether it was real or not, it sort of seemed like he was being tentative early in the year, and that was just way out the window in that game. He was very strong, uh, very engaged, very committed, and I'm not a huge fan of your best guys have to win you every night, but um, this was this was the perfect game for your best guys to turn everything around, and you know, it was really good really good to see Nate leading the charge there. The best players were the best players. Yeah, <laughs> and you not my favorite narrative, but it, yeah, you, you know, can't go so every night. For Flying on Matt Nieto to score a hat trick. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you do need Matt Nieto to score a hat trick every once in a while. But yeah. You know, ha having Mac and Miko scoring two goals each in the first, I don't know, what was it, 23 minutes. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's the other point is Mac going got Miko going. Yeah. Was it the other way and around? <laughs> or was so. it Gabe Landeskog got them both going? You can make a case there for sure. Um, Every line I'm not a... Gabe Landeskog is on, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Every line Gabe Landeskog is on has been the best line this year. Whether that's the best defensive line, or whether that's now the best offensive line, or or whatever, like whatever line Gabe has been on has been killing it. And we'll we'll get to him. Um, but I want to make sure that we don't get too hung up on the recency here and then spend some time on that, that Dallas game as well, because we, um, we talk a lot about, uh, about Blake Como as, as a fan base for some reason. And <laughs> he, that was his, that was his line. I mean, he had an outstanding game on Tuesday as well. He had three assists. <clears throat> yeah. I had a little bit of a vision putting him in my three stars last week, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I mean he's been, you know, he he's been fairly solid defensively and that line has sort of been the uh when when Comfort was still in the lineup that was sort of the alternate shutdown line. Um but since they they they've had to break up Landy and Comfort, um those guys have been shutting down opponents almost as well. Um uh, but it's good to see them getting a little offense going too. Yeah, that that Dallas game was was a weird one to say the least. Yeah. But I think that, you know, I think that's how the, the, the coaching staff is looking at matchups this year. Um, you know, sometimes they're, they're looking at like, all right, if, if we can wash the, our top six versus the opponent top six and our bottom six can dominate the other team's bottom six, then, you know, that's going to win us the game. And, you know, 
I, I, that's definitely what happened versus Dallas because Dallas's bottom six was very weak. I mean, that's what, yeah, that's what it gets you when you've got three lines that can score uh, instead of just having one or maybe two. You can then afford to use one of those lines as a shutdown for the other top competition, and and that you still have that scoring ability from the lower lines. I certainly wouldn't call what we did against Dallas's top line a shutdown role. They kind of just got run over, but luckily the matchups did work out down the way. Um, again, I don't know if I like that consistently. Like, sure, they were playing the hot hand. Bednar was going to say, all right, you guys are scoring, keep going. But on a night-in, night-out basis, I might like to see a bit more of a shutdown line matched up against their top line. Yeah, and that's I, I think that's something that, that we're really missing with Comfort out of the lineup is that, yeah. that that line was so good at giving a little bit of breathing room to both Duchesne and McKinnon's lines. Um you know, I it, it's 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 becoming more and more evident that losing him is a is a pretty big deal. Tuesday was also very easily the worst game of the season for both Tyson Berry and Nikita Zadorov. Um, which resulted in in Big Z catching a scratch on uh, on Friday against Vegas, which I think was was met by by most Avalanche fans by saying, you know, all right, well, fair play, he's he's not been that great. Um, what about the second one? What about the the scratch on Saturday? I don't know. I don't how, like how it. We feel about it. I don't like it. I one game. I understand you sent your message, but we're supposed to be learning this year, right? We're supposed to be making some mistakes, and Zadorov needs to be a core of this defense going forward, and he needs to work through those issues and figure it out. And I, I definitely don't like it either. But I think the Miranov factor is sort of a, you know, it's it's a weird deal here. Um, I, I think they really needed to get him into a game. I don't think that you could put Miranov and Z in the lineup together easily. I mean, that's, you know, you're, you're sitting someone that should definitely be playing then. And, you know, I, I think, you know, that's just unfortunate, you know, in, in Z's case, but um, I don't know. I just, you know, I, I hope not to see that again. I hope that it's not even a thought going down the road. Yeah, well, counterpoint, sitting Z is sitting a player that should be playing. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. agree. The, it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me in, in that I, Zadorov seems to be treated a little bit differently than everybody else who's having a bad game. Um, you know, I understand that there's the whole background of the uh, that brief holdout and the thought that uh, Bednar didn't think he came to camp quite in shape, and but he still seems to be held to a different standard, and so they're they're not playing him for. Uh, Bad effort, but some of the other players are also having those same problems, but they're not getting scratched. I mean, Big Rose was scratched this last game. Um, you know, I, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to shoot down your argument. I it's I, it definitely seems like there's a, you know, it's a little bit easier for them to scratch Z, but you know, they they are scratching other people. Um, well, yeah, they are scratching other people, but it's. <coughs> It seems like other players could also meet, meet the same uh, discipline the Z is undergoing. But well, I think and, and with Big Rod, he probably deserved it too. When you look at like the players as a whole across the season, 
I think they're seeing a bit of a pattern with Zadorov of some consistent mistakes in the defensive zone. But um, is my Discord working? Yeah. Okay. I can hear you. That was weird. It glitched out. Uh, but yeah, they're seeing a pattern with Zadorov. If we're looking at recency, I definitely think you could make a case for scratching Nemeth for him, though. The past two games, specifically, Nemeth has made some weird decisions, I'll put it that way, to either pinch or play a puck that just hasn't been him for the rest of the year. Yeah. And you gotta wonder how much his LBI is, is affecting him there. I mean, it, you know, maybe last night would have been the perfect night to, to sit him, but... Yeah. Sure. You know, that's definitely hindsight and recency bias. For sure. Um... But I, I, you know, I don't see like the Miranov situation happening again, really. Um, you know, it just it's it's one of those things that they had to do after sending him down to San Antonio for three games that they had to get him into the NHL lineup sometime this week, and they ran out a week. <laughs> it's just such a strange situation that they kind of created for themselves to have like all these depth defensemen who you kind of want all of them getting game time and you don't really need to have any of them doing a whole lot of sitting. And then you claim, you know, Patrick Nemeth off of waivers and put him next to Tyson Berry and they look awesome together. And then now you've got Nemeth, maybe not at a hundred percent and you're starting to do some of those things where you see why he was on waivers in the first place. And you've got too many defenders all trying to, to uh, fill into the same spot. That's why so many of us didn't like the the Nemeth claim. I mean, yeah, even if he was right. pretty decent. I mean, it, it would be great if Miranov hadn't come over. He, he would fit a, a role perfectly. But especially with how much this coaching staff likes Anton Lindholm. I mean, we have to figure out what they're going to do with these defenders because there's just too many of them trying to get the same two spots. Yep, hard decisions have to be made here. What is this team going to look like in the future? And you need to start moving towards playing those guys. Yeah, kind I mean, of a good problem uh, to have, really. Yep. It is. I mean, I mean the easy solution is to, to do something with Miro, as in send him down to the AHL again. And I don't know if he's up for that, and I don't know if that's going to create problems that they, you know, they, they can't deal with. But, um, you know, he... You know, he played okay last night. He was definitely really lost a few times. Um, you know, I just I think out of the eight guys that they have, he's he's sort of far and away the weakest one. So if if he's not in the picture, I don't see a big problem with with shuttling guys in and out of the lineup. I mean, what's the word on the waiver wire here? There have been talks about potentially moving one of the Abs defensemen for something. I mean, who would you trade, though? And what are you going to get for him? I mean, you're you're trading imaginary awesomeness here. You're not going to. That's get much. the question. That's the question. Yeah. And Vegas already has a glut of defensemen. They're trying to trade as well. Right. The, well, the, the market value for not very good right now defensemen is not good. That's true. I mean, the the you know the obvious one to move would be Barbario. But I think I think the staff likes him. His minutes went up big time in the third period yesterday. Um, you know, I think they like having that sort of uh, little bit of veteran experience to offset uh, the younger guys, sort of in the you know the lesser minuted roles. 
So I <clears throat> and I just I can't see trading one of the youngsters. I mean, Z or Bebo would be you know pretty idiotic to move. I think the issue is um, we have to, the rest of the central division has to start doing what we expect them to do. Like, th- there's no reason for Colorado and Dallas to be two and three in the central right now. So once once <laughs> once some of these other teams start to like, um, you know, pick up the slack and move up into the top few spots where we feel like they probably should be, and call if Colorado drops back out of the playoff picture, then I think uh, Barbario is a trade deadline piece. Um, yeah, or at least should be. I don't know. Never know with this team. <laughs> But he totally should be, and he's he's probably one of the more like one of the more obvious options they have. Him and and also like a real low pick for Como if he continues to to look decent this year and not at all like last season, which was pretty shocking. Um, Nieto could be a piece too. Yeah, Nieto too. Um, there's there's just the Avalanche have a lot of like marginal trade deadline pieces that once we get there they'll be able to actually turn them into some kind of asset in the future. The issue being that we just have to get there. And in the meantime, there's going to be players who we would like to have ice not getting it. Yeah. I mean, I think Barbario is basically his minutes and his job are there for the taking and no one's taking it. Um, you know, I, I think the staff likes him, but only because they can't really count on the consistency of anyone else. Um, but you know they would they would love to see you know either Z or Bigra or you know I mean any of those guys uh, just sort of make Barbario obsolete and as soon as that happens I think they might start looking to move him but not until then. Well, with the young guys especially, it's it's up and down. The young guys at their best, I'd take them over Barbario every time, but they're just not anywhere near consistent. Who would you like? Who would you rather have long term, Barbario or Nemeth? Right now, Nemeth, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, that's a hard one to call. I, I'm gonna agree with the hard one to call. I, honestly, I mean, I don't know what we've seen from Nemeth in like higher pressure situations. At the end of last season, Barbario with EJ was fine. I don't yeah. know what Nemeth could do in that kind of situation. I don't think we've ever seen that. So it's it's a really tough, tough, tough call. I I I think what the team would would do would be to hang on to Barbario because he's more of a known quantity to them. Uh, is that the, the right decision? Is <laughs> okay. The time for hanging <laughs> on to known quantities has passed. Yeah, that's what I'm. I'm not saying I don't know if that's the right decision. That's just oh. the one I would expect him to make. You're probably right. Yeah, I mean, I. I'd like to see Nemeth put together, you know, 10, 20 games where you could really say, like, all right, we know what Patrick Nemeth really is, but we kind of don't yet. So it's it's hard for me to say what's better. I mean, I, I would rather, you know, I'd rather see Nemeth really take the reins and, and have a, you know, really consistent showing for a month or two. And, and, you know, then I could be fine with perhaps keeping him long term. Barbera, you know what you have. I mean, he's you know he's a good depth guy, good guy to have in the organization, but he's pretty much topped out where he is now. Yeah, Nemeth's been up and down like yeah. the stock market, but he's also not been super healthy either. So it's really hard to tell what exactly reality is. And he's big. 
I, I got you, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, with, with Nemeth being hurt, he's obviously... He's, he's been playing with it. He's not the only one who's been injured, and so we've seen some silliness in their roster lately. Tyson Jost is out. JT Comfort is out. Um, Earl's best friend, Colin Wilson, is out. Gabriel Bork got called up and got injured in, like, 15 minutes. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I guess it was a game in 15 minutes, wasn't it? He no, that was his first period. Was I had it? a minute 58 against uh, Golden Knights, I think. Yeah. No, he he played. He got called up against Dallas and played well. Yeah, yeah, he played well in the Dallas game, but so he, he barely yeah. played in that second game. Yeah, it was so. It was a game in fifteen minutes. What I'm saying. Yeah, it wasn't his first game up. It was a game in Braden McNabb. Right. Yep. <laughs> McNabb. Ethan McNabb. Um. So we've we've seen some interesting moves like um, Rocco Grimaldi with the NHL team and that resulting in him tipping a goal in um and have you heard him sing though <laughs> lord <laughs> what we're what we're going to well, here's what we're not going to do um they're not going to play that song yeah <laughs> <laughs> not going to do an album review <laughs> um was it better than um, patrick's son's album <laughs> But apparently what we're also not going to do is call up Andrew Agazino. What happened? How do you call him great. up for call- the afternoon and then send him down before the game? Yeah. So that was, I couldn't believe it yesterday afternoon. I looked at the AHL transactions and he was already on it getting sent down. I was like, wow, that's cold. Yeah. You, you feel bad for the guy. They show that picture of like, here comes Agazino into the Pepsi Center and he's got this bag that's like bigger than he is. And you know, he's just walking in there to get told to turn around. Yeah. Now that was like, uh, I thought it was like calling up Jim O'Brien last year for one game and not playing him. <laughs> but, it, but at least he, he got to spend the day and get a day's worth of NHL pay. Yeah. He, Ags didn't even get a game to not play. Yeah. It, it was like, it was as if Joe said, all right, Craig Billington, I need to call up a forward. And Billington said, uh, it should probably be either Grimaldi or Agazino. And Joe said, all right, Grimaldi and Agazino," And then hung off the phone. And Billington said, uh-oh. <laughs> Who's going to tell what him? I don't get, what, what I don't get is what was the imperative of getting him off the roster so soon? Yeah, he could have um, hung around, you'd think. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he did, but just getting him, I mean, like, the Avs aren't anywhere near the salary cap. It's, I mean, the amount of actual cash that would entail is, is not much either. Um, <clears throat> you know, it just, it it just seemed weird because the, the Rampage, it's not like they, the Rampage had a game today and he could turn around and come back to San Antonio and play. I mean, the Rampage don't play again until Thursday, so. Um, it just seemed weird that they were, you know, so quick to give him the hook. Maybe there was like a chance someone was going to come off IR or something, and they just wanted it for safety reasons. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the only thing I could think of is that maybe Wilson was like almost there or something like that. I just think there's something. There has to be something we don't know. Like, yeah. No, well, he was probably called up for Kerfoot because they. It seems like uh, they may have. He may have been a game time decision. Uh, 
with yeah. his uh, potential concussion. But, yeah, um, I think that was the initial for sure. Right. Possible. But why uh, tell him to go home right away instead of, you know, actually at least let him take in the game? Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, it, it, they got him off right away just so they, I mean, he, he only had, was one day on the roster, so. It was I mean, a dry run for when our AHL team moves to Loveland. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Call him up for the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Except he Paul doesn't have a French name, practice. so he can't be put over there yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. But yeah, that is weird. It, I, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of Rocco, and I, I, I haven't really been impressed with him at the NHL level. But he played a really good game last night. Um, <sighs> you know, Dutch's Dutch's line took some pretty, you know, they 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 pretty much matched up against Kane's line last night, and you know they did okay. And he played a Rocco game last night. I mean, it it had good results, but he's going to play every single game that way, and it's not. Being behind the guy with the puck, frantically slapping at the puck with your stick, isn't always going to end well. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to play Rocco against a team like and Chicago's a great team for him to play against because they like going wide open, and and that's where he's in his best environment. You know, like I I think he would have like killed against Vegas. Well, I know Bednar noticed him on that fifth goal. The Avs ran a set play, and Rocco ran it perfectly. He'd been with the team for less than forty eight hours or whatever. Those yeah. are the type of things where Bednar goes, okay, this guy is working in the system. Yeah. yeah that was very good. And I've, you know, we've seen that play with uh, Kerfoot, Duchesne, and, and uh, Yak before. So, <clears throat> you know, that's definitely something that's sort of a, you know, a set part of the repertoire. Um, but it's good to see that he came up and instantly was able to, you know, execute it. Another call up oh, we yeah. haven't mentioned yet is AJ Greer, who, uh, has had a bit of a presence on the ice. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's been a, a little bit abrasive. Um, you know, I, I, I think the Avs kind of needed a little bit of that, especially in the Vegas game. Um, they just, you know, they sort of went back in their shell and they were communicating or being antisocial on the ice and everything. And... You know, he, he he picked it up a little bit there. And I I thought he played pretty well last night, too. Um, yeah. I, I'm looking for a better. little bit more skill from him, but I think right. that, that'll come once he gets more playing time. Yeah, he was on a line with Kerfoot and who was it? Nieto? Yakupov, I think. Yeah, yeah that's who it was. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was, it, was it was Yak. And their forecheck was relentless. Yeah. It was like it was exactly as relentless a forecheck as we would see out of Cody McLeod, except all those players have actual scoring ability. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. I mean, yeah, that's I mean, what I like about Greer. Exactly. Is that, Greer if that's your the, worst line you can put out on the ice too, you're pretty stoked. Yeah, that that's a twenty seventeen NHL fourth line right there. They are coming at you. They're going to take the puck from you one way or another, and once they get it, they can be dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, and it's starting to come for Greer. I mean, sure, he wants to prove himself by being physical, whatever. I 
I don't honestly put much stock in that. I think that's quickly on its way out of the NHL. But in the Chicago game, he showed some hands. He made some really nice passes, had a couple of other quality plays, and that's what we need to see from him if he wants to stay with the team. Yeah, was that sweet pass he made to Sven that Sven totally whiffed on? Was that Dallas game or, or which, which oh, game was that? No, that was Chicago. Yeah, that was, mm. that was in the net. And that was a beautiful pass. And Sven just swing and a miss. And <laughs> the, the 35 Avs fans in attendance are just like, no! Not like this. Wide open that swing and a miss. Seen that before. Yeah, a couple of times there. Probably we'll see, see it again. again. Yeah. But it happens. What do you what do y'all think about um nail on the fourth line again? Like it's a different fourth different kind of fourth line than the one he played on in St. Louis, but I mean he still has the same five points he's had for a long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've I've got a I've got opinions on Nail. That's uh Go for it. Yeah. You can't play him on the fourth line for starters. He he does he will not do well there. Uh, he has to be around skill players um, to to accentuate his skill. He's got the skill, but he's got to have other good players around him to make that possible. He just uh, he's not going to drive a line. He's not going to be the skill player on a non-skill line. That's all there is to it. Uh, We've seen that for five seasons now. That he he has to have basically he has to basically have someone else on the line to uh, lead him in what to do. He's he's got a certain few things that he knows how to do it, and if it's if he's asked to do anything beyond that, he's clueless. So are you saying that Kerfoot can't do that? I'm saying, yeah, Kerfoot could. I don't think he's quite there yet, though. Yeah. I don't. I don't know that anyone can do it because we look at Yak's play, and even through today's game, we go, "Wow, he has such a great shot." But it doesn't matter how hard you shoot it if you can't put it in the back of the net. Yeah, um, I, I think along with the skill that he needs to play with, I think he needs just flat out minutes. I, I think he's kind of the you know he needs a lot of time on the ice, right? Um, just to get chances and to get shots and, and to do all that. I think the less you play him, there's sort of a inverse logarithmic effect um, to sort of what he can do for you. Um, and and he, was, he was bottom guy out of the 12 forwards last night in ice time. It was five minutes and 30 seconds. So Is that um, five on five or is that total? Because if that's total, that's five on, That's no, that's five on five. Okay. I don't. Okay. I don't know what his special teams added to that. I don't know if he played power play. I think he, he got did, some. Didn't? Yeah, he got some. Yeah. He needs to be on the um, power play if not. Yeah, but still, I mean, you know, five and a half minutes at five v five. I think he had eleven shifts. I mean, that's just you know, I I don't know if if that's enough to get him going during a game. And, and go ahead. Yeah, it's. 
it's tough. It's kind of like the same situation as Zadorov, but Zadorov is more ingrained as part of the team. With Yakupov, you want to get him ice time and have him work through his issues, but at a certain point, you have to make a decision on whether he's going to be part of the long-term outlook. Yeah, and he needs several games to do that. He'll uh, Before he comes back to being Yakupov, uh, you know, the sniper for three games, and then he'll disappear again for another week. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you, that's what you've got with him. That's, you know, you, the, the front office had to know that this is what we're getting because that's the way he's always been. And uh, so if you, can, if you can stand to, you know, for him to disappear for several games, he'll come back again for a little while. The issue is that the, the front office aren't responsible for his usage, that the coach is. Right. And it's, it's not like they're not going to sign a player without first going to the coach and saying, hey, what do you, what do you think about this player? How do you want, would you want to use him on your team? Because, I mean, I, I at least hope you would, because otherwise you're going to set up guys to fail. But if you're going to give them five even strength minutes a night, you're setting them up to fail. Yeah, absolutely. And, like... It we can we can talk about whether we have to do right by a player or not, but you're not doing right by your team if that's the way you're going to use that asset. I think a couple things are in play here. I mean, I think I, I think that Soderberg and Como and Nieto sort of moving up to third line minutes was not something you could totally predict if you're the coach. I, I think that that Jared Bednar, you know, I mean, Carl got scratched the first game. I mean, I think this is something that they were probably hoping would happen, but it's not something they were counting on. So, all right, that, that forces that line higher in the lineup as far as time on ice. And so you're, you're now looking at a fourth line of, you know, you've got Kerfoot, who you, you probably want getting more minutes than he is right now. Probably the same for Yakupov, and, you know, probably the same for Greer. So... I mean, there's a lot of competition for ice time right now. And well, really, you want all a lot of those guys getting, well, not a lot, but at least Greer or guys like Grimaldi, you want getting a lot more time down in the AHL and have Justin Comfer in there instead. So Yeah. But as far as the hand that's dealt right now, um, I, all right, let's, let's look at sort of Grimaldi who took Yakupov's spot last night, you know, if if he plays like that every night, is he getting that spot permanently? I certainly hope not. Uh, <laughs> all right. I mean, what was Grimaldi's spot really? I have it pulled up here. Yakupov played seven minutes and fourteen seconds last night, and Grimaldi played eight minutes and thirty-five seconds. So it was kind of blended. Neither of them were really getting consistent time anywhere. Yeah. Um. Grimaldi sort of, if you look at shifts by period, Grimaldi sort of kept his shifts consistent throughout the game rather than Yakupov, who had, I think he had three shifts in the first, five in the second, and three in the third. So it, it sort of looked like, you know, Rocco was sort of in the coach's favor in the third period. Um, you know, and how much of that was, is the Patrick Waugh style of playing the hot hand and just moving him up the lineup and having him do the heavy lifting? Yeah, and then that banana's high-sticking call, too. Yeah, that was... <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
you know, you, you, you like the energy there, but just, you know, not, not the focus. <laughs> that was um, hilarious, though. <laughs> 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 that, was, that was my favorite thing he's done all season, just for pure entertainment value. It's like, Nail? Uh, uh, Nail? Wh- what? What are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, that was some real crazy shit. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Can we can we talk about this? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's just I can't, I can't see Grimaldi taking sort of the spot that he was in last night. You know, i.e., Duchesne's right wing consistently. Not long term, no way. Yeah. You know, it's like he had a great game. They're going to play Carolina, who's going to try to grind everybody to death on Thursday, and I just, I, you know, I'm not sure Rocco's going to look quite as good in that situation. So, um, can we go ahead and move on then and sing the praises of Gabe Landeskog? <sighs> Absolutely. I th- this is not me diving into stars and scratches because Gabe Landeskog has had like. He, he's taken this season to turn into the player we've wanted him to be since he was drafted. Like, this is this is the year of the Landeskog. Yeah. Yeah, these past few games are what I have been waiting for. They've moved him off of the defensive shutdown role a bit with Comfort and Jost Hurt, and he has played like a true offensive power forward, just completely dominating the puck, driving to the net, and getting the puck and keeping it whenever he wants. Yeah, I don't know if it's me projecting or not, but this really seems like it's his team. And I think the shit happens comment to AJ and then, <clears throat> you know, backing it up last night. Um, I, I think for the first time, it's really his team. You know, it's like there's there's no elder statesman on the team anymore. There's no Bosch. There's no Iggy. There's no JSG. <clears throat> um, you know, he, he is the leader of the team. And I think he's taking that on the ice with him and really getting engaged out there. Um, and that's fantastic to see. Yeah. We're definitely seeing a maturation, uh, I think in both the player and the leadership style. And then for the, for the team to go out there after he calls a, a team meeting, a players only meeting before the game, and then just to respond the way that they did against Chicago after the, whatever it was in Vegas, and then his his post game reaction. I mean, obviously the locker room is happy and celebrating, but his reaction to the media is just like, "Eh, told you we're a different team." I mean, this is what, this is how it's going to be. Like, <laughs> yes, composure. Thank you. This team has lacked composure for three years. Yeah, it's nice to see for sure. And I'm I'm curious if he has a better relationship with Johnson wearing an A than what he has had in the past, because Johnson's been around the team for a significant time now. He is essentially the closest thing they have to an elder statesman that you were talking about. So if they have a good relationship to lead the team, I think that helps them a lot. Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, you know, we've heard people say that they're sort of, you know, it was sort of a fractured locker room last year and they're, um, sort of a, a chasm between the, the youngsters and the vets and whatnot. And I, that just doesn't sound like it's there anymore. It sounds like, you know, they've, they've really built a consensus in there and, and everybody's able to, to pull in one direction, as, as Bednar likes to say. 
And I mean, obviously none of us are in that locker room, so it's harder to tell. Um, yeah. But but from from what we hear from people who are, it definitely sounds maybe not necessarily healed, but better. Um, I'm I'm typically one who thinks we put way too much importance on who wears letters on their jersey, specifically A's. Um, the captain matters. I don't know how much an assistant captain really matters um, because the leaders are going to lead regardless of what letter they wear or whether right. they wear a letter. Um, and, but I mean, EJ has been that guy for a while. And when, when you have the A on Duchesne who goes into a hole for two months and act, just kind of can't be bothered to pull himself out of it, that's, it, of course, the team is going to, I mean, that it was appropriate for Duchesne to have that A in that moment because that's what the whole team was doing. He was kind of representing the, the, the persona of the team. And when you put that on EJ, who's ready to fight back at any minute, I mean, that's that's saying, here's who I want this team to be. And they also responded in kind. But um, but yeah, obviously, Landis Gog and EJ have, have gotten along quite well. And maybe they have... Maybe making them together in your leadership unit was a was a good move. But, yeah, I mean, well, there's whether, been always I mean, been uh, some concern. I mean, even several years ago when Landeskog was uh, first drafted and then named the youngest uh, captain, and uh, there was always some that felt that EJ actually deserved that. And uh, so now you're seeing, like I said, now that you've got several years under Landeskog's belt, some good years and uh, some stiff uh, adversity that he's come through with the rest of the team, uh, that's going to mature the leadership. And, and uh, hopefully, uh, like you said, that's brought, that's brought the two of them together. Yeah, I think uh, winning definitely heals all wounds for sure on this one. And for the Avs, being over 500 can be considered winning after last year. Yeah. Well, I think going through last year had to have had uh, some sort of impact on that as well. Uh, and knowing that, hey, you can still come out of this and there's going to be another year. There's going to be another game. Um, last year was not the end of the world. But hopefully we learned, they learned from it that uh, everybody has to put the fight in every day. Yeah, it's just, it's just so refreshing for them to, to come out and say, that that's not us. We will be better, and then come out and be emphatically better. Yeah, that response was better than anything I could have hoped for. Honestly, like, yeah, I wanted to see a win, but I was not expecting something that dominant. No, not didn't, don't yeah. expect them to come in and go five zero. So um, <laughs> let's let's go ahead and turn to our stars and scratches as we start to get a little bit of length behind us here. Um, I think the obvious pick is as the the man we just featured, Gabe Landeskog. So shout out to Gabe. Um, who else do we want to throw on on the star list this week? It's a tough pick. All the three games this week were just so different that it's hard to pick one across all three besides Landy. Yeah, it's like does Matt Nieto deserve a star for for a hat trick? Um, you know, he's played pretty decent other than that, but you know, that, that might be the pinnacle of his season and perhaps career. <laughs> All right, how about another guy we talked about already in Barbario? He's clearly earned his spot on the roster for now, and not with 
the offense that we thought he was going to be from last year, but with solid defensive play. Yeah, I mean, if if you had told me that 11 games in, Barbario would have one point and is playing every night, I'd be pretty surprised. Um, and everyone but, was fine with it. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so he's, you know, I, I think that it was either the first or second game he played zero power play and had like three or four minutes on the penalty kill. And I'm just like, is this, did they know that that's Mark Barbario? I mean, that's, that's not him. And he's really kind of shifted into that role. And, you know, and now he's kind of looking comfortable with it. And that's, you know, that's, that's kind of nice to get from a guy who's older and actually not that experienced in the NHL. And, you know, on that same vein, uh, Blake Como has been a rock. Uh, he's not been spectacular, but he's been solid with what he does. Yeah. Yep, I'd he say doesn't that's have those rally killer penalties all the time anymore, either. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. And no more four penalties in a game for Matt Nieto, either. Yep. Yeah, right. He's only got a, a four penalty minutes over eight games. So, I mean, yeah, I think the team still games. has some issues with going into the penalty box, but no one in particular. Yeah, and, and a lot of that was the beginning of the year, just that's kind of the way they mm-hmm. play defense, and the league is saying you can't do that anymore, so the adjustments have been nice to see from specifically the guys that you want killing your penalties. Yeah. So we've got kind of half-hearted nominations for Nieto and, um, and Como, and I think we can add half-hearted nominations probably for Eric Johnson and uh Nathan McKinnon so and Miko and Miko just like there's mm-hmm. like like Rudo said the game this week were just so different like you you, you had such like it, against Dallas you have your best players really struggling and the depth picking them up against Vegas you have and then against <laughs> Chicago you have you know outstanding games from your top scorers so I mean it's a tough week to pick out stars. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you know, you still look at the the seven nothing loss to Vegas as being horrifying, but you, know, you look at the week as a whole. They won two games and lost one. You know, that's a good week. Yeah, and yeah. I still maintain that Vegas are terrible, and and Colorado were outplaying them and folded after a couple of unlucky bounces to let things get out of control. And Oscar Dansk. I'm really not that worried about a 7-0 loss to an expansion team because that's not what that game was. They got Dansk fever. <laughs> they just got outdansked. After the Chicago game, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. The response has a lot of control over how I feel about it. Yeah, that's definitely true. If, if we recorded this show before the Chicago game, we, we may feel a little bit differently. But honestly, I, I really... I mean, I I turned that game off not like not out of disgust with all oh, this team is incurably terrible. It was just like, all right, I see where this is going. I'm done. <laughs> you have folded. I'm out of here. It wasn't because it had been terrible for 40 minutes. It was because they, they I could tell where that was going. Yeah, they played their best hockey in that game right up to when they stopped playing hockey at all. Yeah, it's like they were good, 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 good. <laughs> Yep. So it's a couple of big glaring errors that go the other direction and end up in the back of your net. And yeah, they're breakaways, but you'd like your goaltender to st- save half of those. You'd like the league to know 
consistently what the rules are. What the rules are. Yeah. I mean, what is clipping? Occasionally, occasionally shit happens. <laughs> and, what is offside? And, 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 <laughs> and the league doesn't know what the rules are, and you'd like your players to respond with a little bit more resilience than they did on Friday, but that they came back with it on Saturday says a lot. Yep. Who are we scratching this week? Apart from linesmen. <laughs> I mean, I, I think this goes in the same way that we're thinking about the stars. I mean, it's just, you know, for, for every guy that was great, there was, you know, another game where they were terrible. I mean, I'll scratch uh, Patrick Nemeth. I, I don't think he played well at all this week. He just yeah. seemed to have lost a step like we talked about with the injury. I'll go with that. He was he was probably the most consistently not so hot. I mean, it's it's hard to make the call based on just a single game, but mm-hmm. I I don't know how much more I want to see of of Miro until he can be a little bit more, you know, not bizarre to watch and not throwing himself into strange positions. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to blame him for how he's playing. It's you know, this is just a weird situation overall, but, you know, he's he's not really an NHL defenseman right now. And he needs time to kind of develop, it, like, to figure out the NHL. He, he needs the time on the, on the ice to do that, but he also has to earn that ice time at the same time. And if, if what you're going to come out and do is take penalties and pinch at weird moments and get burned, then I, I don't it's know. Hard to- it's hard to earn ice time when you don't even know what the coach is telling you. So yeah, that's a, that's a factor too. <clears throat> I don't know. He he looks pretty good down in San Antonio, and he got progressively better over those three games down there. So, um, I, I have a feeling that it, if he's amenable to it, and it's what the organization wants to do, I think that he can go down there and actually improve. Um, and I think that's what would be best for him at this point. I just I don't think the team can really afford to have a guy they can't play on their roster, especially when they have sort of some day to day guys. And you know, once Comfort and Joe get close, um, you know, they're kind of going to need some roster spots. Um, I just don't know if he's unplayably bad. That's the problem. Like he's had such little ice time that we we don't know if he's consistently going to be this bad. But you also don't want to give him a whole lot more responsibility because he's not been good. <laughs> it's just frustrating. Well, and you, you also don't want to keep Zadorov and Bigra on the bench, uh, you know, eternally. Yeah, yeah so you want them in and playing, too. Yeah. So I, I, I think San Antonio makes a lot of sense, too. Who do we have for a, for a third uh, scratch name here? I'm tempted to throw Bednar's name out there. Just... <laughs> Scratching Zadorov for that second game and moving Yakupov to the fourth line. Again, what are we doing this season? Are we trying to learn? Are we trying to get players' experience and see what this team is made of? Or are we trying to win games? They're two very different situations there. I will piggyback on that and say if you're trying to win games, why is Vegas not the team you put Miro in against? Yeah. Yeah, I said... um... I think I said yesterday morning that if you're going to go with the heavy lineup like Z and Miro, that would probably be the Vegas game you'd want that. And you'd probably want Vigra in for last night's game. But 
you know, hindsight is wonderful. I mean, you, you've also said, and I agree that what are we really doing? Like your opponent doesn't matter. You, you need to put out guys in adverse situations so they can learn what to do in those situations. If you're not trying to win a whole lot of games this season, because this is a developmental year, as we've been told, and as we've been saying since the beginning, then why does your opponent matter? Yeah, it shouldn't. It should be, especially maybe even in some cases, when you have someone playing particularly well, throw him out there against Kane, see how he does. So it's just, it's just one of those weird little situations where are you trying to win games now or are you trying to, to develop players to win games later? It, it, a little bit of both kind of gets you stuck in, in the mediocrity zone and nobody wants that. Yep. So. I mean, I can see where they're coming from in wanting to win last night. I mean, that was – I'm not going to say it was a must win, but that was a really good game to win. Um, yeah. But – and Chicago comes in on their own back-to-back with travel. They come in playing their backup goalie. I mean, they're back trying to get fans goalie. in Denver interested in the team again. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. There's a lot of non-hockey reasons to win that game. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I think it's tough to go just, all right, we're going to go straight up developmental the whole time, even though it's it's the right thing to do. But, you know... I, I don't know how I would balance that as, as a coach. So I, I realize there's going to be some tough decisions that probably don't go the right way. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a lot going as on. As long as it gets better, I'm okay. So can we name a, even a half-hearted third player then? Uh, I'm going to take a weird uh, tangent on that and uh, go Varley. Okay. Yeah, I was leaning that way too, actually. Uh, Put Bernier in against uh, Carolina. Okay. Wow. And I, you know, I can see that against Vegas. Let's say Varley stops that second goal. Uh, not that he's supposed to, but he has done things like that in the past. If he makes a great save on that second goal, it's a completely different game. Yeah. It really is. I mean. Like I said, you can't ever blame a single breakaway on the goaltender just because it's a breakaway. But right. <laughs> overall, you expect about half of those to go in, not all of them. Yep. So eventually, at, at some point, you have to expect your goaltender to make a save. And Varley has kind of always struggled with breakaways. He, As money as he's been in the shootout, he kind of struggles with breakaways, which is weird. Not a good trade to have on this team. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, we this, allow them. This team doesn't make it to overtime. They don't like bonus hockey, so it's weird. No, we got hosed out of the last overtime. We tried. <laughs> We've talked about that one enough, I think. <laughs> yeah. And, I'm still bitter. And, and let's be real. The, the momentum was so strong that I think they may win that one in regulation. Yeah, probably. That that was a wave, and the blue, blues were crumbling. So um, let's take a minute and kind of look around the rest of the league, because there's some interesting stuff happening that we on this program did not predict when the year started. Um, who are some big surprises around the league for you this year, other than the obvious Vegas um, as I shift around in my chair because my cap's cramping. Ow. Um, 
because I think a lot of us expected Edmonton to take some form of a step back, but not like this. That's my biggest one. Yeah. <clears throat> I've only seen maybe two or three periods, but, I, I mean, you know, they should be better. I mean, we, we kind of have to pay attention to the playoff picture now because Colorado don't play again until November, and they'll be entering November comfortably in a playoff spot. St. Louis have run away with the division lead. They have 19 points. I, I didn't even realize that. Wow, they've only lost three games. And then you've got Colorado yeah. and Dallas both with 12, and Nashville and Chicago also both with 12. I mean, that's yeah. that's a cluster. And then Minnesota and Winnipeg are right there with ten apiece, and both only yep. having played nine games. I mean, this is a very wide open playoff picture, so we apparently have to watch. It's back to the Central Division Thunderdome again. <laughs> yep. I'll but. tell you, a big surprise for me is the Kings. Um, nine one and one. Yeah, um, I, I've seen a couple of their games, and they are. They're totally different than they were last year under Sutter. Um, you know, they play quick. They don't dump it all the time anymore. They'll they'll dump it sometimes, but they, you know, they carry the puck in now. Uh, their their defensemen are activating and more involved with the play. Um, they're a really tough team right now, and I I thought they were going to be horrible. How about the fact that we're eleven games into the season and we still have a winless hockey team? <laughs> right. I thought Arizona would be better than that. I I mean, nobody thought they'd be that bad. But yeah. <laughs> I didn't think they'd be a playoff team like a lot of people were saying. Well, um, yeah, they could be a team. sneaky playoff team. <laughs> That's a little ambitious. I, I, yeah. I didn't think that, but from all accounts, everyone who's watched the game say, yeah, they're playing well. They just can't win. <laughs> <laughs> if they're playing well, how been there, done that? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, I, I haven't watched any of their games, but I have. I don't understand how you could have an opinion like that when in eleven games you've given up forty-eight goals. <laughs> no goaltending. Um. This, yeah, that's. <clears throat> I'm just scrolling up. It looks like only four teams have given up. Okay, five. No, six. So six teams have given up forty goals. One of them is the Penguins, who sit second in the in the Metro. And ten of those were in one game. Yeah. And one of <laughs> right. those is the Leafs, who's also scored 45, so they're laughing. And then the others are the Rangers, the Sabres, the Canadiens. Bottom I mean, feeders. Yeah. yeah. The Montreal has been another shock. Yeah, they've been surprisingly bad. Like we expected a... We always expect Montreal to be a little bit worse than they are because Carey Price has been curing all ills, but not this year. No. But well, they got that whole situation with Galchenyuk now too, and yeah, but Mario Tremblay is catching up to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that was he had some scumbag moves we're not going to get into today, didn't he? Because um, the East doesn't really affect what we do in the playoffs too much. But that's that's where the other forty goals against teams are, the bottom of the oh, list. The Rangers. I don't remember if you mentioned them or not. I did. Yeah. Um, but the Coyotes are at the lowest for GD. 
by a few goals. They've they've allowed more than four a game. So, like, I, I don't know what else you expect for results when you give up four goals a game. That's, that's true. I, I have no argument against that. It's just from what I've heard, it's all on the goaltending. Like, the team in front of them is playing well, and the goalie's a sieve. Oh, that's possible. The Avs didn't even give up four goals a game last year. No. And <laughs> it, it may not be something that persists. They, they did make a trade for a goaltender. Obviously, Wedgwood is going to save the day. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately for them, it's already too late. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't win a playoff spot in October, but you can lose one. Yep. And, yeah. and a good way to do that is to have one point on October, whatever day it is today. What day is it? Today? <laughs> 29th? Yeah. You're, you're not listening on the 29th, but that's what day it is today when we're recording. And they have one point. <laughs> one, one point. Uno yeah, point. That's, that's pretty brutal. So with, uh, with with standings in mind, maybe we should go ahead and have a closer look at what games the Avalanche have coming up. None a of them bunch are, of off time. <laughs> yeah, none, none of them are particularly impactful um, because we're headed out east. Uh, this week the Avs have several days off again. A um, lot. Th- then on Thursday, the reopen play against the Carolina Hurricanes, which is 7 o'clock Mountain. That's at home. Then on Saturday, Colorado travel to Philadelphia for a 5 o'clock mountain start against the Flyers, and they turn around on Sunday and play the New York Islanders for a 4 o'clock mountain puck drop there. And then there's a four-day break again as we travel to Sweden for the game in Stockholm with Ottawa. Games, uh, two of them. The schedule's really annoying. Yeah. Yep. But uh, what do we predict this week? We are bold and ready to make predictions. Yes. <laughs> I think we'll get I, I think we'll beat Carolina and the Islanders and lose to Philly. Four points. Uh, uh, I've I've got some sense. I've got some questions about that Carolina day, game with four day, four days off. Uh, I think that could be a trap. Um but yeah, but just a quick game. name the only team the Avs swept last year. <laughs> Last year, <laughs> this isn't the same team. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Shane's got to show his new coach that he's a good player, though. So there you go. <laughs> Shane will score a couple goals. But yeah, Carolina will never pull the trigger on that deal, and you know it. <laughs> it's not happening. Um, I hate to say it, but I think we go one out of three on that week. I think we yeah. have yeah. So, right? See, I think we're going to get four points, too, but I think we beat Carolina and Philly, and John Tavares gets yet another hat trick. Oh, gosh. Yeah, the, <laughs> the Islanders game is a schedule loss, not just because it's a, a road game back-to-back with travel, but because it's also against John Tavares. <laughs> to be fair, we could say the same thing about Wayne Simmons, but... Uh, I don't know if he's as historically an Avs killer as Tavares is. Tavares seems to like have this need to remind Matt Duchesne that he was the first overall at the time they <laughs> That's faced each true. other. Yeah. Um, but Carol, I mean, these are all 
winnable games. Philly is probably the most dangerous team. Carolina probably the most dangerous game because of that break. I don't know. It's a tough one to call. I'm going to call three points. I think they have their first overtime loss of the season. <laughs> They're going to be the first team with no overtimes. <laughs> but you know, even if even if they go one and three on that uh, in that stretch, they're back to 500. It's uh, yeah, yeah. They're still 500. Maintain. They'll be one one and one on the week, and they will be a bit. They'll be Batman above 500. There you <laughs> go. Loser points. We're going for 83 points on the season. <laughs> so, uh, no six points book it this week? No. Not this I think, week. I just don't see how. Huh? If, I this mean, just Philly really is consistent. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the consistency, and I just, I, I really liked what I saw from Philly the other night. They. <clears throat> They're they're exactly the kind of team that's going to give the abs fits because they they like to pounce on mistakes. Oh, okay, pounce pounce on mistakes. That's what you said. Yeah. Sorry, your mud kind of made it sound like you said they like to pounce on the sticks. I was like, what? Uh, they might do that too, <laughs> what, but uh, what does that mean? I, you know, <laughs> I don't want to pry into their personal lives. So the real story here is. As long as no one else gets injured, I'll be all right. Uh, yeah. All right. We expect to start getting uh, getting guys back at some point, right? Right? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think after after the Islanders game is about the earliest you could expect either of Jost or Comfer back. We don't really know what's up with Wilson, except it's his hip, and he hasn't been skating yet. So. Mm. Um, I, you'd you'd think if if Wilson is on the trip, um, out east, then maybe you know maybe he'll play. And has anyone heard anything on Bork other than UBI? Nobody knows. Yeah, I I mean you'd have to think that was a concussion. And he he got rocked pretty good. Yeah. I thought it was interesting to hear from Kerfoot that he actually took the concussion protocol for his hit by McNabb in that game and passed. Yeah. So, yeah. If we have to get particular about which games are won and lost, um, you have to remember this team does the opposite of what you expect. So... O- OTL Carolina win Philly or lose Phil- win Philly lose Islanders no lose Philly win Islanders I really want to beat Carolina I hate the Canes why oh I like the Canes they're like a nice underdog to root it, for it, is this an old Hartford <laughs> I, Hart- Hart- I went grudge? to high school in Hartford they were the Whalers man uh, Hart- right. yeah, Hartford grudge thought so <laughs> No respect for your heritage. I see how it is. <laughs> I actually think that Carolina game will be the more important of the three. Yeah. Um, I just mean, seeing if we how win. they, yeah, it's, especially if we win. I think uh, that's the game that'll give them momentum to that that might cause them to win one of the other two. But I think if they lose, if they lose Carolina, it's going to be a tough, tough row to win either of them. But I think they'll get one. 
Well, if they win, they're two games over 500, and there's no pressure mm-hmm. for the rest of the trip, so... Carolina are a strange team by the numbers. As I kind of look at the standings page on, on the old .com, they have um, nine games played. They're 4-4-1. They've scored 25 goals, which is among the lowest in the league. Not quite the lowest, but almost. And they have allowed 26, which is also among the lowest in the league and might be the lowest. So Some it's a good game event. for a nap. Got it. Grindorama. Some yeah. of that is because of the only nine games played factor, but not all of it. So this it might be a bit of a dull one for the team to try to wake themselves back up into after a four-game break. So it's kind of another one of those responses that we're kind of looking for. Like, are you going to be able to come out of this mm-hmm. break and play hockey, or are you going to come out of it asleep? Right. Well, it's, and, and that is the style of play that they've struggled with um, from what I've seen. Like, <clears throat> I, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to throw them all in the same boat, but kind of the Devils, Vegas, uh, you know, it, it kind of seems like they play in that same kind of grindy style. So, you know, I, I think Ace is right here. I think it's a, it's a important one to win just to show they can win against that style of team. Yeah, when when the D is right on top of them, the Avs seem to fall apart in the neutral zone. It's it can get ugly. And they struggle yeah. with an aggressive forecheck almost yeah. as much. So they really struggle with that. Yeah. All right, so trap game, and then travel to Philly for oh, I hate playing the Flyers, and then travel to the Islanders to <laughs> get shown up by John Tavares, and then we're heading to Stockholm. Excitement. Do they leave? Do they leave right from New York? Do they do they go immediately to Sweden and, and hang out there for a while? I would imagine so. Um, that's what I would have them do. Not because I mean, like it would be nice to go home, but then you're gonna have to travel. Like I have a longer plane trip to Sweden. You have less time to get adjusted to the time. Um, it, I think it makes more sense for them to uh, to travel straight from oh probably Laguardia. A Laguardia, it'd probably be Kennedy. That's the international airport. Well, I had traveled through the air never, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay. I'm, we'll edit that part out. I'm sure <laughs> at least three or is it four players have, like, family and stuff there, so. Like yeah. There's Carl. There's Gabe. Lindholm. Lindholm. And Nemeth. Oh, yeah, Nemeth. There you go. Yeah, we always, we always forget that. Because his name doesn't seem that Swedish. Right. Yeah. He doesn't sound it. There's no cog or berg or holm in there. Yeah. <laughs> and and then, I mean, obviously Ottawa's got the Eric Carlson thing going for them, so. Yeah, that's why this whole thing is set up, the two Swedish captains. Yeah. It's a, it should be a cool experience for everyone. It's just a shame that it's done what it's done to our schedule. Yeah. So, um... We will see you um, next week on Tuesday. Um, if you are a late night kind of person like me, you can probably catch the show before you go to bed on Monday night. Um, but we will be re- probably recording Monday evening next week as a result of the schedule and then the break between games. So we have a little bit of wiggle room to push the show back a day and not have to try to record before a Sunday game or late, late night on a Sunday. So you can catch us again on Tuesday of next week. Um, 
you can you know where to catch us, of course, soundcloud.com slash burgundyradio or mixcloud.com slash burgundyradio or on iTunes or on your favorite RSS catcher. We post a show every week to burgundyrainbow.com where you can leave a comment and yell at me about the audio quality or about questions that we didn't get to that you had and I probably didn't know about them. So when you have those questions, you should tweet them at me at burgundyradio on Twitter. Um, other than that, you can keep an eye on Burgundy Rainbow for the latest apps, news, and updates. And join us on the Discord where there's always some kind of conversation going. And we will hope that you join us there. We'll see you there. So keep your head up, get the dirty areas. And we will see you all next week plus a day. Intro will be there. Are y'all hearing background noise on me? Nah. Hearing something. People making a racket on the other side of the house. And dogs. Okay, no, you'll probably hear my dogs, there. too. Nothing too abnormal. Alright. Um, so, going anyway. In a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the Barkasaurus?